Yo, Supernaturals Podcast Show, Darren Stott here. I was thinking, man, I think it'd be interesting to release just the audio part of our hashtag Jan6 documentary. This is our documentary of our team that went to Washington, D.C. for hashtag Jan6. So that's what we're going to do here. And um, it does make for an interesting um, audio experience. I realized that there's perhaps a bunch of listeners on our podcast that maybe didn't even see this on YouTube. And maybe they don't have any intention of sitting there watching a screen. But they'll they'll listen to the experience in their car and whatnot. So I trust that that's you. I trust that that's why you're listening. If you find this interesting, make sure that you share this. Uh, because I think that we have some fascinating and important conversations uh, that need to be had within the body of Christ. Including censorship. There's radical censorship taking place right now if you don't share in the mainstream leftist ideology that wants to shape out our country that wants to set a trajectory for our country with major implications on the church of Jesus Christ and our values so much so that I thought man it'd be important to get on here super quick before we dive into this to invite you to go to our website at darrenstott.com. And when you go there, a pop-up, because everybody loves pop-ups, right? A pop-up's going to come up and it's going to invite you to put in your email address to join our mailing list. Uh, I promise I won't abuse that relationship, but I feel like it's very important that we have that if we're going to stay in touch. Because literally at any moment, we could get unplugged from YouTube, from Facebook, from Instagram. We've already had several posts deleted, removed, and received several warnings. Um, and I'm not sure if this particular podcast is going to help us. <laughs> with all that being said, um, if you want to stay in touch with what we're doing, uh, if you want to be uh, the first to know some of the things that we're dropping uh, in the days ahead, then again, go to darrenstott.com, put in your email address, and we will keep you in the loop as to how our media is unfolding in the days ahead. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging out. Let's dive into this documentary that we called Hashtag Jan6. Right here, right now, on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. So I remember the very first time the thought came to mind that we would be going to D.C. for another protest. And the thought first came to me when Jonathan and I were walking in CHOP and he said, I feel from the Lord that our, our very next stop is going to be in Washington, D.C. and God is going to use us there. And so that really started to turn in my spirit and I felt like God was going to do something powerful and then when I heard that the president was going to be doing one of the largest gatherings over a million people were going to be gathering in DC I felt that it was time for us to go so I began to talk with Darren and we both agreed that we would put together an amazing team to go and meet these protests, meet these uh, rallies head on and see the Spirit of God move. 
for me. I think whenever I would have conversations with people, it was like everyone was overly friendly, and that that's something that we kept commenting on. Everyone was、uh, extremely genuine, nice,、uh, friendly. We we would ask, "What state are you from? What state are you from?" and、uh, just have conversations about life. So the overall vibe was that everyone was positive. Yeah, I, I, like I was saying, I just really felt like it was a like a family barbecue atmosphere.、Uh, the first day and a half, we asked people to pray for them.、Uh, I think we have one person that I talked to that didn't want prayer.、Uh, we were able to even on the metro on the way in, we were able to bless people and、uh, to share with people and encourage people. One point today, it started to rain, but that did not deter protesters who are gathered here. This has been a peaceful crowd. I would say that the very first day that we got there, we began to see that this was more than just、uh, a rally that has to do with politics. This has to do with light and darkness. And I'm thinking to myself, my father was a prisoner. For being a pastor in North Korea, he was born in Pyongyang, Korea, and when communists took over in 1950, he was arrested. Thank God for the United States soldiers under MacArthur and President Truman. They came in and pushed the North Koreans all the way to the Yellow River, and my father was rescued. I would not be here if he did not come to South Korea, meet my mom, have me, and here I am, a pastor now in the United States. Thank you, America. For spreading democracy and holding back communism in my nation. So many、uh, ministers and preachers there、uh, on the first night, just praying and declaring things over the nation, and、uh, and some of them were declaring some really powerful stuff. And Satan is a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. When we went to the first night, you could really tell because a lot of the people that were getting up and speaking, they were saying things that you could have never heard ten years ago, even coming from any particular、uh, governmental party. And there is a Jezebel spirit that's coming against America. In the Old Testament, there was a weak king by the name of Ahab, and Ahab was called to lead Israel. But he married a pagan queen that worshipped a false god by the name of Baal. And the way they would worship Baal is they would literally sacrifice children to Baal. Then they would take their remains, they would put them in a jar, and build them in the walls of their city, and build them in the walls of their houses. They believed that those remains would protect them. Think about the walls of Jericho. Whenever God judged Jericho, He hit them in their walls where they had sacrificed their children for convenience. I'm telling you, late-term abortion in America is a spirit of Jezebel that'll come against this land, and judgment will fall on this nation unless we repent. Hey, what are you doing over here, man? I'm I'm actually asleep with my eyes open. Everybody, David Kuse. <laughs> yeah, have any cool、uh, any cool stories from today? 
Um, I met a couple that uh, husband and wife and I felt led over to them and, and the wife uh, said that during one of the corporate prayers from the stage of the rally she felt the presence of the Lord actually um, and she was Catholic and almost didn't want to call herself a Christian but she ultimately did um, and what was cool is that she felt the presence of the Lord during the meeting and I got to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and a second time I just felt that and I prophesied over both of them and gave them some really good words of like instruction and and they're from Seattle and so might connect them to SRC that's awesome and we'll see what happens that's awesome this morning when I, w I was praying I kept seeing this huge guy with uh, with a, a, a injury on his shoulders and uh, so this guy was huge so I just went after it his biggest guy I saw all day probably and so I said hey uh, I really felt like the Lord was saying you had something going on with your shoulder and he says uh, how, did, how did you know that and uh, I just told him I said I felt like the Lord put that on my heart and so he let us pray for him and just what David was saying uh, we prayed for him and the, and the pain left he says it feels like it's getting looser and looser and then he let us uh, also pray for his uh, mom who had just been in a car accident and broke her ankle so we don't know what happened with that um, I, I I would also say that as the other guys have said that, that every single person that we spoke to was overly friendly. They most definitely wanted us to pray for them, hug them. I mean, it was like, it was, it was a, an atmosphere where it did, you didn't know. And I think I, remember, I actually said this to you, Darren. I said, you can't tell if this is a political rally or if this rally, we, you really could not tell that much difference. Because there was so many people. Charlie, that can were, you say that again? You couldn't tell if it was a political rally or, or what kind of rally? A, a Christian rally. A Christian it was rally. really it was really that much, you know, uh, speaking about Jesus and openly loving God. I mean, at, at, at some points they were actually doing worship songs. There were people that were praying, like from the podium, like real Holy Ghost fiery prayers. And um, you could tell that people genuinely love the Lord, that they want to see this nation uh, go into a, a great awakening, and that this is a strategic hour and a time. And I actually said to you, Darren, I said, man, this is pretty like, this is pretty chill, actually. I mean, we're used to going into environments where there's there's guns everywhere. I saw no guns. Let me say it again. There was no guns. No, not there was like no violent people running around with machetes or or or, or screaming and cussing and going nuts. That did not. That was not there. Uh, and it is actually for me. I, I even said like, where's the drums? You know, because like when you go to these these protests. Uh, the BLM and the Antifa stuff, you go to it and there's like drums beating, like you could just, it's just violent chaos. And that wasn't there. I was actually wanting, I was like, man, maybe, you know, we're like not at the right spot or the right place because that's where we wanted to be was like where the chaos is at because in those atmospheres is where we really uh, see uh, God move and bring in peace and this atmosphere was actually very very peaceful there was there was no um, people wanting to coming up to me and saying I'm gonna murder you uh, we're gonna kill you if you don't leave here right now I mean we, we experienced that in chop many times 
Um, and we did not experience that at, at these rallies. So I know we're going to get into a lot of stuff we're going to talk about, but I just wanted to, to, to say that, that for the most part, on my opinion, it was very tame. Some of it was even boring. Uh, but as far as, um, you know, the first day, it was, you know, there was so much Jesus and Holy Ghost and fire and glory and spirit of Elijah and tearing down Jezebel and 1776 going on. I was trying to figure out if we're at a political rally or if we're at a Jesus fest. I could not tell the difference. Father, we bless these people that I was looking at this tweet last night from Maggie Belize, and uh, she's talking about um, Jeannie Thomas, the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, paid for 70 buses. So that's a lot of buses, right? 70 buses used to transport armed rioters to the to the rally, and so um, I, I don't know. I we were right there, and I know we'll get into uh, the whole Capitol part, but we were right there at the Capitol. We were right right there. And do you guys remember seeing uh, 70 buses with um, armed rioters? Because to me, it looked more like even right in front of the Capitol where all the mad mob was, I realized that people were going in and, and that, that there was gas there, and I realized that. But there were... There was thousands, tens of thousands of people, maybe actually hundreds of thousands of people right in front of or right in back of the Capitol. And when I looked around, the majority of the people looked like people from my church. They were just like kind of smiling and, and like, and like you know, and it was just like, you know, so, some chanting, some USA. But um, I don't know. I, I was trying to go through my memory and, and I was trying to think of how many armed rioters I saw, and if I remember seeing 70 buses full of armed rioters that showed up. <laughs> Maybe you guys saw it. <laughs> well, well, this well, is the I, other thing that I, I want to say is that um, I, from all the other DC rallies that have happened, the last two, there was massive violence from the Antifa on Trump supporters. We did not see that at all. And that's why I kept saying the first day, where's the Antifa? Where's the BLM people? Like, wh why are they not, like, down here? The, the first night went well after 8 o'clock, after dark. The last two events that they did that were past dark, even at dusk, people were being attacked. They were being beaten up for wearing, um, you know, MAGA stuff. That, that was... We, we got on the train fine. I didn't see one BLM, one Antifa. There was nothing. And and I was, like I said before, I was kind of like, where where are they? Like, you know, that that's the atmosphere that we want to be in because we want to de-escalate that atmosphere and bring Jesus in, into that. And, and we didn't see any of those people. I mean, they were just not there. So that's when I began to think, is there something else that's going to come? Is there it, what what is happening here? Because there's no confrontation, and I would estimate that there was a million people there. 
yeah. a billion people uh, on the on the sixth. Uh, All I know is that the entire ellipse was full of people, um, as well as. Um, like I swear, every street, every side street, there was just people everywhere. It, it felt like almost for the entire day, it felt like we were in a, in a. It felt like we were in a mosh pit for the entire, you know, for the entire time. Just like people, just all up in your stuff, you know, like like like. There's no. And, and I think that all of us would agree that even on the Wednesday, hearing President Trump's speech, it wasn't even a good speech. I was actually kind of bored with the speech. Uh, I, I, I like him. Um, that was, um, it was very, very long. Uh, many of us, we were expecting him to pull out an ace out of his sleeve. A lot of people thought, this is it. We've been, follow the plan. Q says the plan is in action. We just, it's all, everything, this is it. We've all been waiting for the six. This is it. People were waiting and, and it was actually, there was no it moment, okay? There was no, no ace came out of President Trump. He did not levitate off the stage. Angels did not come and crown him. We, we just sat there and, and then finally, honestly, uh, it, it, was, it was quite boring, it was quite long. So, I mean, I could go on and on about this fraud that took place in every state and all of these legislatures want this back. I don't want to do it to you because I love you and it's freezing out here. It was so, I was like, I was like, man, what did he have in mind when he called all these people to Washington, D.C.? And like, like, I literally thought like that he was going to come out and be like, we got him. You know, because like the music was all like, everybody was super upbeat. Everybody was super excited, you know, and then, and then he, he, he spoke, but he didn't really say anything. And I was like. Oh my goodness, like, so basically at this point, everybody was like, what is Vice President Pence going to do, right? Like, that's what we were all wondering. And, um, and then so we snuck out and then we went to the um, sandwich shop, but President Trump is still speaking. And before that crowd could even make its way to the Capitol building, we were watching on Twitter as these guys were already starting to press through um, the army of police officers that were guarding that that entrance there on the side. When I say army, we're talking like 20 um, police officers. <laughs> so you got you got anywhere between 500,000 to a million people marching towards the Capitol, and and it's being protected like you would protect. Um, a mall or something like like I like I don't even know you're like you know like it's so but the point is that that while President Trump was just wrapping up his speech these guys were already at the Capitol breaking into the Capitol and the other thing I just want to say is we went we moved to the front of the Capitol building and there were like these militia groups, like these armies, and they looked like troops. They looked like troops everywhere. And they're like in little groups. And um, on one of the one of the groups I saw, it said they're from Florida. They're not real soldiers, but they look like soldiers. They got all this battle gear on. And one of the guys had a patch on his shoulder that said, I don't believe in anything. I'm just here for the violence. Big uh, events happened at the Capitol building with 
Antifa leading the way and uh, using agent provocateurs to, to uh, basically guide uh, Trump supporters into the, the Capitol building. Those are APs, go over the wall. They had set up the, the bike rack barriers that they had taken down and used those for ladders, right? And so you had people, APs, helping people get over the wall, right? So I stopped, got video of their faces, photographed them, clear AP work. Come this way, go up, come on, there's still room, you can get in. Come on, you need to come up, this is your, your job, this is your chance. You know, stand up for your country. Waving huge Trump flags, got the rebel flags out there, you know, false flag. That's why they call it false flag. Meanwhile, so you got all these like little like anarchist um, groups of soldiers that are there just to that, that are there just to fight the cops and and to stir up mischief. And I didn't see any of those guys at the rally. Like I don't know about you guys, if you guys saw anything like that. But at the rally, it looked like people from church. Then you get to the Capitol building, those guys skipped the rally. They were there pounding their way through a thin line of, in fact, and I'm sure you guys have seen the footage of this, the police officers that are just letting people in. <laughs> right. The police officers were awesome, and I, we, the police officers were super cool there. We got pictures of our team, 14 of us, with the National Guard. Like, they were super cool. My point is, is that it was not a frenzied mob. It was not a bunch of, of pissed off Trump supporters that got all worked up at his speech and determined they were gonna take the Capitol, because they would have. You're talking about, 0.5% of people that did not attend the rally that really did the damage of breaking through and then a certain segment of people that got wrapped up in the moment and thought it'd be fun to get selfies inside the Capitol building. But that's just my, <laughs> that's, that's just my perspective. And yeah, I agree with that. And that's what I was uh, gonna comment on when it came to the contrast. To me, it seemed like two different atmospheres, two different groups. Uh, two different people groups. So we, you know, we were doing our thing. We we're with uh, all of the supporters. We get there. It was like a night and day difference. And there were those in the crowd that you could, that that stood out like a sore thumb, in my opinion. You could you could see people with the battle gear. You saw uh, people who were obviously, you know, antifa, like uh, banging banging things into the windows, trying to break the windows. Um, you just saw a mixture of different groups there with different agendas, and uh, and I think what they did was they led led the children to the water, so to speak. They led a lot of people um, to naively participate in it. And the way I I look at it, almost like when I because we walked up to the Capitol building, and and for the record, we didn't climb on things, and we weren't you know trying to bust inside or anything like that. Um, but we, we were able to get close, and uh, the thing is, is that it was almost like the excitement of being in a in a in a area that had that's no access. You know, I think a lot of people were just kind of taking in how surreal it was that they were actually that close to the Capitol. So they were trying to get up there and stand on the balcony and everything like that. And it was a naive thing, I think, that a lot of people um, just started to participate in. And you had people up on scaffolding. 
there was this scaffolding there that was uh, there for whatever reason. I don't I don't even know. And then somehow they get this massive uh, American flag that they drape over with. think that any of um, the people that were actually uh, Trump supporters that were there wanted them not to do the 10-day investigation on the border fraud. I mean, that's that's what we wanted. We wanted to get to the bottom of everything that's been happening. And, you know, I had been asking the Lord, why, when, even when we were standing there, because me and um, Alex were very close together when we were walking through the crowd, and I said, I said, Lord, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what are we even supposed to be doing? And the Lord just spoke to me, and He said, "Begin to pray right now. Begin to pray right now." Um, and from previous understanding that I've had on um, uh, agent provocateurs and traveling nations, and understanding what happens when uh, there are uh, false flags and these types of events that happen that are that are. Uh, people are brought in to stir up crowds, to bring uh, riots where there's peaceful protests. I, I immediately begin to understand what was taking And I can say from, I can't speak to everybody, but I can say for myself that what took place there was in no way uh, anything that any of us would, con can, would contone in, in whatever manner we condemn it completely. But after I began to pray, the Lord actually spoke to me and, he, and I said, God, I wish I would have been in the front and I would have been able to stop them from going in. I would have been able to do something to, to change it. And he said, just by you being there, you helped stop something that was worse that was going to happen. And I believe what they really wanted to do was they wanted to blow the place up. They wanted to set it on fire and they wanted it, wanted to blame uh, people that are believing in America. They wanted to be able to say that it was they were, they were gonna be able to blow it up and do all these things. And because we were there praying, I believe that God actually spared. While it was terrible and there was people that died, that it's horrible, I believe that it would have been much, much worse. And, I, and even from some of the reports I've heard of them finding pipe bombs and, the, and, the, and, and certain kinds of um, explosives, uh, I believe that the ultimate goal was to bomb the Capitol building, the, the, the Capitol, uh, Capitol Hill, and, and, and to set it all on fire and um, blame this whole entire thing on, on um, patriots and, and President Trump.
And uh, word came out that, you know, there was a breach in the White House and, and the mission that somebody got shot. Unfortunately, a young gal got shot. And as, as, uh, as we went up around, uh, up, you know, around the side, and that's when I saw some folks that honestly, uh, they weren't Trump supporters. Okay, they were imposters. I think even Bobby Connor had that word. Watching from TV, he heard the word imposter. Now here's the thing. Uh, the day before, I got a, a, a text from a friend who's an intercessor. And my phone text wasn't working too well as far as receiving, but he sent me a text the day before. And I read it later that uh, on uh, Thursday, I believe it was, I read it where he had uh, said he was praying in the morning and he saw like violence in the spirit violence going on and, and then he heard the word discredit he heard the word discredit and that's what was going forth a discredit by the enemy to discredit you know the movement to discredit um, the rally to discredit the president they show what he has wrought they show why he may be remembered as the worst why do I say may and not must or will because it's up to you, it's up to history. It's up to those who make up a reckoning about it. And even in the midst of being right there at the Capitol, the people were crowded so close together, we were kind of actually being carried along away from everything. Some lady grabbed my arm was like, oh, I'm sorry, I hope I don't feel like, uh, you feel like I'm violating you, but you know, I'm just trying to get out of here. I was like, well, I'm just being carried along myself. So still, in the midst of everything, it was still polite. I, I really think most of the people had no idea what was going on. We talk about the mob mentality, but you know, there was no way when we walked up there that I was going inside that building. But I felt that in my spirit. You know, I felt, I felt a pull, I'll say it this way, I felt a pull to go in. And so I think when we talk about mob mentality, and you guys can disagree, I'm just curious what you guys are feeling, but it's a spirit. There was a spirit uh, that, was, that was drawing them in. It was the demonic side uh, as well. And I saw the same thing as, as what a few of you, you guys were talking, I think Alex was talking about that. People throwing uh, uh, the uh, uh, dividers, the protectors of, to, against the windows and stuff. We actually shouted some of them down to where they were getting ready to throw it at some cops. Uh, they were there, I believe, those two people, my opinion, those two were in Tifa. They were on the same guy. That was the same time when the guy with the horns got thrown out of the building. Uh, I think maybe Mike was was the one that saw that. I can't remember. Someone else was over there. It was David? Okay, it was David that saw that. Um, so there were people that were actually, they were actually, people were pointing out uh, Antifa and saying, hey, don't let them back up here. I saw that. I saw that happen. Um, but I'm like, I'm like Charlie, I was just talking to Beth about this. What would have happened if we would have went up to that door and said, no, no one else is going in? What if we would have been the ones that stood there and said, hey, it's not, not, not happening on this side. I'm not saying we could have done everything, but, but I mean, in hindsight, looking at those things, what would have happened if we would know what we know now and we would have went up there and done that? So that's, I mean, for me, that's, that's just like, what else could have we done while we were there? Yeah, we prayed for people. Uh, they were tear gassed. Uh, David got 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 it in the face, his face when the when the uh, when it shifted. I've got pictures of him crying. Uh, I turned and I got I tasted a little in my mouth, but a kid got uh, sprayed in the face and he came over and it looked like he got knocked out on the concrete. We're helping him up, and 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 I will say this: I saw I saw police officers helping people on that side. I did see two or three police officers. Um, 
that were helping the people, uh, a lady that got tear gas, they were helping her. Uh, and, and it was really odd to me because there were four guys, you guys on that side with me, remember there were four cops that were standing out there, just kind of all by themselves, not guarding anything, not guarding the door, not trying to stop anybody. It was just like they were watching uh, to see what we, and no one was, no one was attacking them. No one was, was doing anything like that. And so the two people that I saw, which I personally believe were Antifa, uh, were grabbing those barriers and were going to throw them at them. But that's what I thought. I felt like the, the, the mob mentality that we're feeling, it's like a spirit that's driving behind that, that is pressing. Like, like I said, there was no way I was going in. We absolutely can, do not condone anything that happened. But I'm telling you, there was that, there was that, that mob mentality that you wanted. There was a, there was, and people thought that they were being patriotic. Some of them, I'm sure. I mean, that's a horrific thing. Yes, there was Antifa in there, but yes, I mean, there were some of the Trump supporters as well that went in. And uh, I, I truly believe, and I believe it's because of what we're talking about with the mob mentality. So, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting to note, Darren, that there was no cell service, so we could not. Um, stream anything which was different than the night before so on the fifth uh we i streamed many times from my platform uh during the event and the next day we could not get any service to stream anything so there was no ability to stream what whatsoever from the um from these, uh, from from either the Capitol building or from Trump's um, speech, it was like it was. I couldn't even get a text message out. There's no cell phone coverage. You can't text. You can't even look at anything. Like there's no data. Like there's no, like there's nothing. Right. Then all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of phones start beeping, at all at the same time. Everybody's phones. Bing 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 bing. Like it it it. And it was so weird. Everybody pulls up their phones and oh, because the notification came out that at six o'clock you will be out of here or bad things are gonna happen to you. And so like um, they were able like we were unable to do anything on our phones and yet they were able to push through a uh, a message the curfew message that hit everybody's phone at the same time, no matter yeah, what. And, and I'll comment on that too, because I noticed um, around the time when we were leaving, like when everything was starting to get cleared up, it was like all of a sudden I magically had cell phone service again. So uh, I think that's something that I took away that was interesting, interested because uh, yeah, no signal, no service, but yet we're all getting emergency notifications saying that we're gonna get you know, uh, tear gas if we stay there past six. Well, we start walking away and I remember we walked like maybe, maybe a couple blocks away where we still didn't have service and it was getting close to six o'clock. Then all of a sudden we get signal. So it, it seemed to me that like they just flipped the switch on and, uh, all of a sudden we can, you know, receive, uh, texts and make phone calls and the other thing that the media didn't cover at all was the large amounts of people from the Asian community, specifically from Vietnam and Tibet, like huge groups of people with the, uh, with the Vietnamese flag, huge groups of, of Asian communities with the Tibetan flags, with these countries that have been dominated by communist takeovers from, from specifically China. 
And right. that's one of that's 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 something that you're not going to hear about on on the, on the news is that these Asian community uh, communities that come from countries that have been taken over uh, by Chinese oppression, they love President Trump because here is the very first president that has like that has not been intimidated. I mean, man. I don't care what anybody thinks about Trump, man. That guy was ruthless against China and all these people from all these um, uh, uh, Asian countries that have been uh, uh, dominated by the tyranny of China. They love. I, I know. I even read an article about the the Vietnamese community and the Cambodian, the Cambodian community within Seattle. They are staunch Republican. <laughs> Uh, because they come from these countries and and they don't want anything to do with a party that is partnering with with China, and so that that was really that was really shocking. That's something that you're not going to hear about on CNN or Fox tonight. <laughs> right, and I was asked maybe three times to sign a petition. Uh, you know, there were there were uh, several times where Chinese citizens came up to us and asked if we could sign. Uh, to uh, send their petition against the CCP, and and you know they were pretty um, they were pretty sincere and genuine. You could tell that they were concerned about the direction uh, that the nation could go, you know, if it if it gets in the wrong hands. And so uh, I noticed that too. There was a heavy Asian community, and you know, for the record, there were other uh, you know different nationalities present as well. There were there was a melting pot. It wasn't just you know, a bunch of white people, like maybe some would assume and some like would us. say. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> us. But, <laughs> but there were, um, you know, black people, there were Asian people, there were people from all over the world. And, um, and, and that's something that needs to be said as well, because there's definitely a stereotype with, um, you know, the demographic of who the Trump supporters are. Um, so... All these things matter because I, I think we were talking about it, um, you know, shortly after on the train and everything. We were like, I wonder what the news is going to say about this uh, and, and the narrative they're going to spin on it. And immediately we started to see all these sources, all these uh, articles come out, you know, saying this and saying that. This is what happens when there is no peaceful transition of power and what happens when there is bad leadership. This is not how you lose. The president wanted this. He directed it, supported it, he incited it, and encouraged it. People walking around with the flag upside down, thinking they're patriotic. Today was not patriotism. Today was terrorism. What we saw today was a violent insurgency, an attempt to overthrow the legitimately elected government of the United States. And it was incited, directed, and encouraged by the president, Donald Trump. And I had people uh, texting me and, you know, my initial response is, yeah, this is crazy. I don't know everything, but it's not all what uh, it, it's not what it looks like on the media. Not everything that you're reading right now is actually factual. And because they were saying one thing when we just eyewitness something totally different. And uh, so that's why hearing our story, I think, is so important, you know, of what we actually saw. Same with the chop. You know, uh, the news made that look a certain way. And I remember Aaron, you know, you were talking about how when we were in Seattle, um, there was a news organization that got mad at us because uh, 
we there was someone praying for someone we were praying for someone uh in the shop in their camera shot and they got mad at us because they saw someone praying when they wanted to create the look that it was just total chaos in there which it was chaos in there but we were there to change things <laughs> and uh and so they got mad at us and i think aaron you mentioned that um, um, they, you offered to share your side of the story and share what you were doing in there and they didn't want to hear from us. And so that just goes to show that um, they really just want a one-sided view on the events that take place. Even I, when I turned on today, I looked and I saw thousands of people here, but you don't see hundreds of thousands of people behind you because they don't want to show that. We have hundreds of thousands of people here and i just want them to be recognized by the fake news media turn your cameras please and show what's really happening out here yeah i think that was charlie uh that actually had asked them there in child if i'm remembering uh correctly but they didn't want to know what was actually happening in there if it doesn't fit the narrative they're tossing it out and i think that's the important thing to see i mean i, I made my kids sit down this week and watch uh uh, a documentary on uh, the Nazi propaganda machine that came out and the censorship and the propaganda that was put forth and um, really the spin that we're seeing come from this is, is there's parallels that we're seeing uh, to that 100% and I, I'm telling you I want my kids to know what's what's happening I'm saying hey what, you're, what we're seeing what the media is saying that happened in DC is not what happened the same thing with you know and, and told them the same things about chopper story that uh, Alex has just shared and so uh, that's why I think it's important for us to be able to share that the eyewitness accounts that we are right now. I was um, just really struck when I finally got back to the hotel, and I just, um, this is funny because I never watch mainstream news, uh, very rarely, right? But uh, I felt like Holy Spirit just wanted me to, um, well, I turned on CNN, and I started watching, and I was just blown away by the narrative that was being propagated and how how instantly opinions were formed on the subject when very little information was out. Uh, not just on CNN, but on, on social media, people commenting on my Facebook posts, uh, I just, you know, commenting um, their opinions when there's only been about two hours of time for someone to form, form an opinion on such a complex situation. And that's, for me, uh, like, it makes me realize there's a humility, a need for humility right now that um, gosh, this is a really complicated situation, and you're not going to have an accurate point of view if you've only thought about it for an hour. Um, and if there's only an hour's worth of information given to you, you don't even have time to get information from every source. You know, maybe you're only getting the Facebook coverage from your friend, or maybe you're only getting the mainstream media, and either way, you're not getting a full picture, because no one has a full picture on it. A spirit was released uh, on our on our country, and I don't know if it happened on the sixth or if it happened on the fourth, when that demon possessed uh, preacher uh, decided to release a, a a prayer in the name of the monotheistic god, uh, in the name of Brahman, and in the name of any sort of god that people want to refer to, Amen, and then a woman. Now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Amen 
and a woman. Like when I was flying home on the airplane uh, from uh, Baltimore to Seattle, a fight broke out in the aisle. Two guys were up in each other's face, screaming each other down, because the one guy accused the other guy of, of socking him when he was trying to get to his seat. And it took multiple people to pull these guys apart. They were just um, possessed, like possessed by a, by a spirit as they were just um, going, going after uh, each other. I, I heard that, uh, I read this online, uh, CNN made it sound like 14 people were kicked off of one airplane for fights, but I believe that from DC to Seattle on Alaskan Airlines, over 14 people were banned from flying again on Alaska Airlines because of fights breaking out on airplanes. And um, so uh, something got, got released. I mean, I've never seen, I've never been personally attacked so much on Facebook as I have. And um, I, like many of you, you know, I, we, we spent four days in CHOP. We spent seven hours in Portland um, at, at those protests. Um, so like we've, we've been in some very sketchy atmospheres. I've never had somebody say shame on you because, because I was doing ministry in a particular environment. I never had so many people say shame on you or, or full on just F you. I've, I've, I've seen that so much just on my personal, on my Facebook page. And, um, uh, and it's, it is, it is crazy. I think it was interesting that you brought up the man that did the prayer, Darren, because I, I think that's really important to know because in two days from that moment, you have um, a demon-possessed, um, horned, state-worshipping uh, person that is going to stand at the, that very same spot. Wow, right, wow. Release a frequency of some sort that, that uh, is going to be unleashed on the nation. And for those that are watching this broadcast, I want you to understand that when these kinds of peaceful protests happen, there are what is called agent provocateurs. It happened in 1999 at the World Trade Center in Seattle. It happened in the it happens in the Middle East all the time. Turkey happened in um, uh, several uh, Egypt. It happens, and when there are peaceful protests. There are these agents that come in to stir up people into violence and create a different atmosphere in order to riot, in order to uh, bring destruction. And the purpose is, is so that that particular protest can be broken up and dismantled. Um, and that and the gov governments do this, organizations do this. Uh, so that that particular thing that's trying to go forth is not presented in the right fashion because violence begins to ensue. And um, I would say that when you've studied out the history of, in particular, any kind of Trump um, event, there's never been any kind of violence where, you know, Trump supporters are, are violently uh, people. Um, the only thing that we could say was during the DC, uh, last two DC uh, altercations, the clashes 
were from Antifa attacking, I mean, grandmothers, old women, women and children. I kept saying to myself, where are these people? The last two, those two days, because that was purposely why we didn't wear any kind of red or any kind of American flag. I mean, except for, uh, except for David, he had like a big American flag outfit on. Kusick. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that we, we purposely dressed uh, really almost like Antifa so that we were able to minister to them because I felt like they're going to show up and we want to be able to give them the love of Jesus. We want to be able to di dismantle that anger and that, um, that, that spirit of rage that's there. And it never, it never came until we were at the Capitol building. And I would say that the same atmosphere that I felt in CHOP was a similar atmosphere at that moment that I had not felt those two days except for when I was at the Capitol. And that was one of the indications that I knew that there was something that wasn't right. There was something that wasn't right. And it doesn't take, you got to imagine there's a million people there. And so out of a million people, the narrative becomes of 50 people that stormed into the, 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 the Congress and stormed into these places and uh, did all the things that they did. And uh, that should not be the narrative because those people do not represent what's, what, what took place there. It wasn't, this isn't even about Donald Trump. This is about America. This is about going against communism and against a spirit, a demonic spirit that wants to be unleashed in this country. And so uh, after I saw, you know, the horned demon standing up there, like bafflement, at the seat of, of, of in, in the house, I, I I recognized that the moment that that man stood there and gave that demonic prayer, it opened up an atmosphere for something like that to take place. I don't know how anybody else felt, but that's how I feel. Yeah, that's fascinating that he stood at that same at that same podium, and you know the other thing is is that. Um, the, uh, that guy claims to be a uh, a, a Q Anon shaman, and so he actually claims to be a Q shaman, and he went in there as, as you were saying, Charlie, to release a frequency, and to do some sort of dance. Or I mean, and, and he's not mentally disabled. Like there's interviews with them that you can find online that you know he's he's actually quite articulate, and. Um, but people don't might not like to hear that like QAnon, like but but here's the thing guys this is not all a part of the plan this was this was not part of god's plan i don't believe it. this and it's definitely and i can't prove this but i would definitely say this was is not part of president trump's plan
Well, and Darren, I would also say that I believe that the QAnon thing is like a PSYOP operation. And what it has done is it has made people to believe that they don't have to do anything, just trust the plan. It's going to happen. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, in several years from now, we're going to find out that the QAnon thing was a PSYOP program. It was to bring people to a place, lull them to sleep where they did nothing, just sit back, eat the popcorn, and watch and see. And I'm telling you that that is not the case. We need to be praying for this nation, that there are a lot of demonic things that are happening right now, um, and a lot of misinformation that is going forth that is being presented that is absolutely not true, that is not going to happen, and, and um, people are thinking, well, just we're going to sit back. No, we need to press in. We need to pray. And we need to begin to believe for this nation. Because at the end of the day, this nation was founded upon uh, God and by the church and people that love freedom. And regardless of who sits in the White House, revival is coming. Come on. There's a Come on. Taking, taking place that cannot be stopped. Satan cannot stop what God has intended for this country. There will be a third great awakening. There will be a tsunami wave of the blood of Jesus that will go across this country. And there are preachers that are rising that are not afraid of sickness, disease, government, uh, satanic groups, witches, warlocks, you name it, anything. I'm telling you, they are un un unafraid. They are dread champions, and they are here right now, and they will go into these places and bring peace to the most chaotic situations. And another, uh, you know, when we went to CHOP, I said, this is going to be the last event we're going to go to. I believe that we're going to go to many of these events. We're going to see people turn to Jesus Christ, and we're going to see a transformation in this nation. And um, I, I just believe it with all my heart. And people have been asking me, they say, well, what are you going to do after the 20th? The same thing I've been doing. Yeah, I had this experience, actually, I haven't shared with any of you because it was uh, really kind of deep in my heart and I wanted to kind of give it some time for myself to stew on. Um, this little experience I had um, on the 7, we were, um, not feel, feel that, um, on, on the 7th, uh, Thursday morning, we went to Arlington Cemetery and, you know, uh, I saw this guy there, um, there was a woman who was speaking into a smartphone on Facebook Live or something, and she was really angry. 
uh, she was speaking and, and just angry and uh, about the things that were happening and how the, the cemetery was closed because of the virus and things like that. And there was a man there and I, I felt led to go over and talk to them. Um, and this, this man came to me and I just started, uh, I just asked him, you know, what's, what's the best we can help for at this point um, as far as, you know, where the country's at. And, and, and he didn't really have a, much of a, a thing to say, but he just saw me and he got really emotional. And uh, I just, this, this much older man, a tear came down his, his face. And in that moment, I just felt um, like the, the desperation that a lot of people feel right now. Those who believe that the election was stolen, um, in their minds right now, um, there's a feeling of like, we don't have a country anymore because we don't have a fair election anymore. We don't have a democracy anymore. And I just felt such a weight because this man was, was so grieved by what was happening. And we were looking at the tombs of soldiers who, who died for the country. And I felt, I felt indebted in a sense that, that these people laid down their lives and, and what can I do to serve and, and to love uh, my neighbors, myself, really, um, to lay down my life, you know, as, as others have laid down their lives in a sense. Um, and I just felt this invitation of the Holy Spirit and I entered into this man's grief with him and I just wept with him for a good 30 seconds and, and we embraced. I went my way and, and I was just in the back of the car, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I was just weeping for the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes, uh, just so so moved. And I just felt God uh, is like, hey, if you'll, if you'll bear this burden with me, um, then I'm gonna give you this nation. And, and I want to, to release that to anyone listening who feels such a burden that you would allow the Lord to let you feel what he feels and to pray out of that place. Let the burden of the Lord be the Lord's burden, but, um, and give it back to him. If there's a time for celebration and there's a time for fasting and to discern that with the Lord is kind of hard even for me right now, but, um, but I just know that there's this, this feeling of desperation and if we'll, we'll enter into that, we can see some really intercession uh, that bears fruit. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna speak into that as well because um, now's not the time for you know, opinions and attack on other people. Now's the time for unity and to get the real burden of the Lord for this nation. And I feel an invitation as well from the Holy Spirit to re-enlist in the army of the Lord. Um, there have been so many soldiers in, in the kingdom, so many soldiers in the church who have been sitting down. And now's the time to tie our bootstraps, you know, and, and get going with the gospel and get moving. You know, God, uh, moves with movers and he goes with goers but he doesn't sit with sitters is what Reinhard Bonnke used to say and the thing is you know uh, me and Aaron actually on um, on Tuesday uh, we got up maybe at six o'clock and we had some time to kill and we just prayed and we probably got a good hour in a prayer and the Lord began to speak to me he said I am unstoppable and from this day on, I'm releasing an unstoppable momentum. He said, I'm an unstoppable God. And uh, that just fell on me. Like, it almost felt like a mantle fell on me. And I feel like there's something happening to those who are saying yes in this hour. Um, the Lord led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, which says that he causes us to continually triumph in Christ and that we're the fragrance of God that, that releases His knowledge all throughout the earth. And so there's something about saying yes to the Lord, re-enlisting in the army of God, 
and entering into that same consistent triumph and victory. And the thing is, is like when you're connected to Christ, you're always consistent. You're not shaken by what's happening in the earth. You're not moved or, or troubled. And something that I've heard people say too is now's not the time to be a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. You know, there is a difference. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons of God. So uh, the sons of God need to rise up. They need to create peace in the nation. They need to create unity. There needs to be unity in the body of Christ. Maybe I, I started cracking up when you said the thing about peacekeepers, because this lady put this comment on my Facebook last night. And she said, you can't be a peacekeeper and a warrior at the same time. And, uh, and I put a comment back, which, I, which I've deleted. But uh, I said, I will never be a peacekeeper. God has called me to be a peacemaker. And honestly, yeah, the world does not need another United Nations. We all know how, help, how helpful the United Nations are. Man, thank God for the United Nations. Where would we, where would we be without them? <laughs> and we do not need... <laughs> We do not need the church to be as useless as the United Nations. We do not need peacekeepers. We need peacemakers. The peacemakers are the sons of God. And the other thing that the Lord is speaking to me about is these people that are, that I have people saying that the church needs to stay out of politics. Basically, that I should just shut up because I have no voice. I shouldn't get to speak into any of this. I shouldn't have an opinion because I'm a pastor. So the church, so if you're, in any sort of religious influence, you should have no um, no input right now. And I was, and I thought these are people that call themselves Christians. These are people that in their Bibles they have they have a book of the Bible called First Kings and Second Kings. These are people that believe in David, King and President David, who was anointed as king. By like so, for any uh, Christians, and I'm going to say Christians in parentheses, because a lot of these people have no fruit of the spirit in their own lives and are and are and are doing really nothing uh, uh, for the kingdom. Like when, and 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 they're attacking believers that are on the front lines, wanting to see the kingdom of God. It's called a kingdom because there's a king over it. So it's like you can't do true Christianity outside of of an appreciation for government. So if you want to remove government from your Christianity, you're going to have to start tearing books of the Bible out of, out of your Bible. You're going to have to tear most of the Old Testament out. You're going to have to tear most of the New You're going to have to tear Revelation out of your Bible because everything that we are about is about the gospel of the kingdom. That's this, the kingdom, the king. And so if, if, if thinking like a king is offending you, or seeing this kingdom mentality coming into the church, yeah, I, I agree that we, we need to we need to guard our souls so that we don't enter into this uh, political drama that's taking place. At the same time, the body of Christ has been so afraid to show any sort of emotion. We've been like a like a like, like it's been like the church has been lobotomized. Even when you look at most of our churches during worship, it's like we're sitting there drooling on ourselves, and we call that worship. And it's like, uh, it's time. It's time for us to get our roar back. It's time for us, right. uh, as 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 Christians, to realize that we we we've been taught the gospel, which is a half truth, which is a lie, because it's not just the good news. We're not just giving people the good news. Jesus did not just teach the gospel. He taught the gospel of the kingdom. 
And it is time for us to see that this is the gospel of the kingdom. So it's time to get our kingdom back. Because you want good news just so you can feel good about yourself, so you can have a little more peace when you watch TV at night. That is not what God is calling us to. And so uh, for Christians that are afraid of anything political, afraid of anything, the Lord wants to wake you up. And that when I, I believe I received an impartation when I was there in Washington, D.C., being there in the heart of our, of our nation, there at the capital of the United States of America. And I felt like I didn't know what it was, but I know that I received an impartation from being there it, it, it was a spirit of awakening. It was a. It felt like something was getting ripped off my mouth. It felt like I can be honest. I can process. I can. I can speak the truth of Jesus Christ. And if people don't like it, I. I, I couldn't. I couldn't give two poops if people don't. Uh, if people don't like it, that like that I've got a voice and I'm going to speak up and I'm not going to allow this. The narrative and all this. You can call me a, a domestic terrorist. I, I. I. You can call me whatever you want that truth will remain i listen i've got my i have shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and that means that i got peace shoes on which are cleated roman you know the romans would wear shoes with nails that would stick out the bottom full on nails so that they could fight in any sort of terrain and if you're a believer it's time for you to put your nail shoes on you're, do you know that roman soldiers would use their nail shoes to kick people as weapons that when Paul says to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, he's saying put your nail shoes on, put your cleats on, put your war shoes on, and in doing so, you'll be able to stand in any sort of terrain. Having done all to stand firm. I rest my case. I'm done. Mic drop. All right, peace out. Come on. <laughs> so good. Come on. That's one thing God's been talking to me about this year. <clears throat> it's a year of activation. And I think there's so many people in the body of Christ that have been in the, the reserves, so to speak, while serving, uh, doing something maybe one weekend a month, and they think that they're actually doing something. But it's time to be activated and go into uh, full-time duty and start taking back the kingdom that we were designed to take. Uh, the scripture um says they that sow to the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life and those that sow to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption we can see corruption in just about every area of society right now well why is that because us the people of the spirit have not been constantly sowing to the spirit the way that we were called to sow so it's time to be activated as soldiers and to go and take back the governmental sphere to take back the healthcare sphere to take back the the education the entertainment the media sphere needs to be overtaken we've seen that but it's really time to become active to be strong to stand firm and be active and do what god's calling us to do Yeah, we gotta we gotta stop uh, you know expecting the world to look like Christ without encountering Him. You know, I think that that's the thing that our we say that our battle's not flesh and blood, and it's not. We're supposed to resist the devil and flee from us. But what we're seeing is a people that are ill-equipped to fight the battle because it's not flesh and blood. We need just what Jeremiah was talking about. We got to begin to see people saved, healed, and delivered. That's great, but we can't have them just stepping in the door. We need to have them equipped and running and doing the same things. And that's what I've had multiple people 
message me this week and say, man, I feel like I've been on the sidelines. I want to get in the fight. I want to run with you. I want to do what you're doing right now. We have people driving an hour and a half to church this morning just to hear about what God was doing, what really happened in Washington, D.C. We have people coming from surrounding cities today. And I'm telling you, people are hungry and they're looking for someone to spearhead this. They're looking for the body to rise up, a mature bride to rise up and uh, to actually resist the devil and steal and flee. I mean, I'm all for sure shofar blast, but we saw him. That didn't. That didn't. That didn't. Uh, that didn't do anything at the Capitol. I'm telling you. But we. <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. But hey, there we go. It's out there. <laughs> but we we've got to start. Be, we we expecting the world to fight this fight, but they have. They're they're ill equipped. They're not equipped to do so. They don't understand the things of the spirit. So we need to continue to see people not just saved not just healed, not just delivered, not just encountering the Lord, which are great things, but seeing people raised up, walking as mature sons and daughters. And so and that's what I'm encouraged. And that people are seeing that and that people are wanting to step out and they're just looking for someone to do it with. You know, and I think that's what a great uh, testimony what's coming out of these trips that, that this group's taking right now is it's, it's, it's encouraging people, it's spurring other people on. It's not, a, it's not a guilt, shame, condemnation thing, but it's like, wow, if those guys can do it, then we can do it too. And I think that that's what it's all about. We're all gonna see people stepping up in the sphere of influence that they have and taking back that ground. And so I'm excited guys. I've never been more excited to be alive. I'm telling you, we're gonna rule and reign. We're gonna see these things happen. It's all under the feet of Jesus. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just excited, fellas. You know, the church is called to rule and reign. Like people say, oh, the church should stay out of politics. Yeah, but the church is 100% called the government, right? And every single problem in the nation's government, I believe, manifested first from a problem in the church because we were called to that governing authority. The number one problem in this nation is division. Division has come from uh, generations of the church dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. And you know, and it's not just the extremists over here and the extremists over there dividing. I mean, look at the Pentecostal movement, which I grew up in. You know, you've got You've got uh, UPC, AOG, COG, PCG. Um, you've got all these divisions, and most of them don't even know why they divided. And because we're called to that governing authority as a church, the problems in the church have manifested in the government. And what you're seeing in these crowds and these people that are engaging with, we love Jesus, and a bunch of other things coming out of their mouth, stems from the church's lack of authority and engagement in the government. And I thought, that, that that was really um, what I walked away from was, man, we failed uh, in the spiritual side of things first. And so I just want to read to you, you know, out of uh, Matthew, you know, it said when the, he saw the winds, Peter, okay, he was afraid. So here's the disciples in a boat and the sea starts to pick up. Right, and Jesus comes walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. They yell, but he says, "Don't be." He says, "Be of good cheer. It is I." So imagine fishermen in a boat, the winds, the waves. Okay, here comes Jesus. Be of good cheer. So no matter what situation we're in, you know, Christ is there. He's with us. He'll never leave us, and we can be of good cheer. Okay, and uh, we can trust him. And, and uh, but Peter, you know, began to get his eyes off of Christ. Got his eyes onto the circumstances, the waves, and the, and the wind, and the water, and the splashing, and all that, and he, and he, he stopped walking on water, began to sink, right? And then Jesus, of course, you know, lifted him up, you know, and uh, said, oh, you have little faith. And so uh, 
We must not let you know, our faith be little. We must stand and believe. It was the joke of the trip, but everybody was, was pretty much dressed in black or dark clothes, except for me. I had this bright yellow jacket on, and we all had fun with that. But there's one picture that Darren uh, posted on Instagram that, that showed me in the middle of the crowd and how, how much I stand out. And, and my observation is people are looking for uh, people who are standing out so they can run to and find hope. You and I are the light of the world that is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So stand out right now. We have to stand out. We have to be the beacon of hope. We have to be the reason that people want to get up in the morning because we've got Jesus. We know what Jesus has done to us. Now it's time in this in this dark hour and everything that's going on around us as stuff is being taken down and stripped away. We have Jesus. Is that there is this um, thing that kind of is just put out there that, well, we should just pray for the government. We just need to pray for the government. And I totally agree with praying for the government, but there is a difference in the way that you pray for a righteous government and a wicked government. There's, it's two totally different types of prayer. When Paul went down into the city and he met the sorcerer that was trying to stop the gospel from being put forth in that, in that city, he didn't say to him, I'm going to pray for you that the love of Jesus is going to touch you. That is not what happened. He said to the sorcerer, he says, because you have stopped the proclamation of the gospel in this city, you are going to be struck blind and not be able to see. There is a different type of authority that comes with the kingdom of God and the gospel of that kingdom. That gospel of the kingdom carries power with it. It does not just sit back and idly say, whatever will be, whatever will be. The sovereignty of God is just going to take care of everything. No, I'm sorry. Paul did not preach that gospel. He preached the gospel when he came in Acts and in Romans 15. He said that from this city to that city, I preached the full gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles. And wherever there was principalities, powers, and people that came in the way from that gospel being preached, there was a consequence to that. And it was not something of his physical person trying to take them out. It was the power of Jesus Christ saying, you cannot do this. And just like that sorcerer was struck blind, I believe that we are going to see witches, warlocks, people that are working in the occult, in, even in the government, they're going, to be, they're going to be taken out. They're going to be blinded. There's things that are going to begin to take place because God is not going to suffer his people to see destruction and demise underneath a wicked ruler and a kingdom. That's why God raised up Elijah to go forth and begin to preach in the middle of Jezebel and Ahab trying to take over a nation. He began to say, this is not going to happen. And God said, go anoint Jehu. Go and anoint Elisha because they're going to play, be put in your stead and they're going to begin to see the power of God. And, Eli and, and Jehu didn't go forth with a cute, cuddly message. He went and had Jezebel thrown off a tower. And Elisha literally didn't go with just the mantle of Elijah. The Bible says that Elisha had a sword. 
And so our sword is the word of God, and we have to decree and declare that those that are in wicked places in this government are going to be brought down. Not by We obviously see that the vote doesn't matter. So the only way that it's going to see justice in this nation is by decreeing and declaring the word of God as prophetic voices, apostolic voices in this hour, and saying, God, let your power come. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Change this nation because, God, where there has been a curse placed upon this country, you have a covenant with this nation, and we come into contact with that covenant in that covenant. And we come into agreement with it, and we stand with you in the midst of this wickedness. We say, God, bring your righteousness. I don't know, man. I just feel fired man, up. So. Yeah. You know, I was just going to add, um, so when we were there in Washington, D.C., and, and everything began to happen with the Capitol building, from what I have heard, it seemed like the fear of man hit everybody inside that, that room. Yet all of these uh, Republican... Um, uh, uh, you know, senators that were planning on objecting against various votes, uh, electoral votes because of corruption, that immediately decided to not object to anything because of terror of being associated with the mob that was breaking into the Capitol building. And it was like, I saw senators that were like about to break down crying on on TV on uh, because of fear because of fear man and then and I'm not saying this to cast any sort of judgment on any sort of specific person at all I'm just speaking in general in general terms the next day seeing the apologies from prophets that were claiming that they missed it and now I'll say that if a prophet felt convicted of the Holy Spirit to repent they need to repent Right, but um, it felt like that same fear of man that hit the Senate hit the church, where prominent people with big audiences needed to say something in order to disconnect themselves from the embarrassment and the reproach of what happened, even if it meant repenting for obeying the voice of the Lord, which is going to mess with people because people are going to say, if you declare the voice of the Lord, then why didn't the outcome turn out that way? And, and anyone that's ever prophesied anything, you know that your role is to obey the voice of the Lord. You cannot make a prophetic word happen. That it is your role to, to be obedient, but you don't... you uh, But... But if if it, but we we're we're just the messenger. We're not the manipulator of the future, and so um, that really that really bothered me when I began to see what I felt like was the fear of man of 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 saving face or trying to protect a rep a reputation. And this is not an indictment against any any people because I see this as a principality and a power. That's coming to delegitimate. That's coming to to um, yeah delegitimatize, if that's a word. That's coming to to say that the prophetic is not legitimate. There we go. Within our generation and within our nation, that there is this attack against the prophets right now, 
And, um, and you know, I got a good friend that, uh, that did ministry with David Hogan um, uh, for, for a while. And he was sharing this with me, and uh, and and Charlie didn't even like didn't even know this or anything. I I told Charlie this, but David Hogan said, you know, I'm not really too into the modern day prophetic movement in America, but there are two prophets that I highly respect, and that it's Bobby Connor and Charlie Shamp, and uh, that was from David Hogan, and man, I have I have so for me being a leader in the body of Christ, I have, I have, I so admire uh, you, Charlie, and Bobby, where even after all of this stuff happened, you continued to stand on the word. Donald J. Trump won the election with a landslide. It was stolen from him. And uh, really, it should have been won back for him in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. But we've got a lot of cowards. We've got a lot of people that won't stand up for what they believe. And they're too wishy-washy. One thing about President Donald Trump, he will stand for what he believes. And I am telling you, look at all the things that he's accomplished. He is the president. He won the presidency. I, I Listen, tell you, uh, if Joe Biden sits in the president's seat he's sitting in a stolen seat uh because to me that that's a matter of integrity people uh people i believe with a with a religious spirit uh are putting pressure on and, and a jezebel spirit are putting pressure uh i can only imagine how many emails and messages you've gotten charlie of when are you gonna when are you gonna repent but when when a prophet stands on the word and says no i heard from god I heard from God on this, and, and I'm not going to repent for hearing from God. I'm not going to, because to repent means you're never going to do it again. To apologize means that you're never going to do it again. And so to me, to me, people say, well, they're losing their credibility. No, to me, you're gaining credibility when despite the, 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 the atmosphere, you, you're saying, no, I am going to stand on God's word. People are making immature judgment calls right now and partnering with the spirit of Jezebel, trying to silence the prophetic in our generation and nation, and it ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen. Jezebel will be judged, and we will not tolerate her. Tonight, a deafening silence from the president's Twitter account in his waning days as commander-in-chief. Twitter, run by CEO Jack Dorsey, saying after close review of the president's recent tweets, it banned him due to the risk of further incitement of violence. You know, we, we are focused on one account right now, but this is going to be much bigger than just one account. And it's going to go on for much longer than just this day, this week, the next few weeks. It's going to go on beyond the inauguration. And now you have radical censorship taking place because now anybody that supported Trump is now considered a domestic uh, terrorist. So just uh, over the last 48 hours, tens of thousands of influencers have been kicked off of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And so this is a, uh, a wake up call for anybody in ministry with anybody called to have any sort of influence uh, that you better start thinking of of what of what sharing uh, the gospel of the kingdom content is going to look like, 
because the gospel of the kingdom is not going to line up with the agreement that you're going to have to agree to in order to download an app which is centered on an ideology that is anti-life um, and and Christ hostile, anti-Christ and its ideology. So um, we we really need to start being we start need to start having these conversations. Um, anybody in ministry, uh, you better you better not wait until you get kicked off your platform uh, to begin thinking about this uh, because um, uh, it's happening right it's happening right now. And it has nothing to do with the size. It's not just the popular people. The popular people are getting picked on now and they're coming after you next. Praise God. Twitter shouldn't be banning President Trump. They should be giving him a dividend of the stock. I mean, when Twitter was, four or five years ago, Twitter was $18 a share. It closed at over $50 a share, large in part because President Trump made the platform relevant again. Shares of Twitter dropped 11% in early trading Monday, knocking more than $3 billion off its market value. Some investors dumped their shares after the social media company suspended President Donald Trump's popular account on Friday. I, and I, I don't think that a lot of people understand that because of pri they're a privatized company, their, their ideology and culture is going to be enforced in the future. And so we may say, well, the gospel, the gospel is not being censored. But because certain speech is being censored, that means that they are now giving the ability to censor any kind of speech that they feel necessarily will hurt the audience. And so I want to tell people that are watching this that within the matter of two years, places like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are going to ban messages that have to do with faith healing, casting out of demons, and prophetic ministry. You are not going to be able to do prof prophetic ministry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You're not going to be able to cast out demons because in that culture, the demonic does not exist. The spirit world does not exist. Also, you're not going to be able to do healings online. And, that, and the reason is, is that they're going to begin to label that as conspiracy theory, fake, fake news. It's not going to be seen as legitimate because they will say nobody can heal anybody because, the, because the, they'll put a fact check fact on check. it say that medical science says that faith healing is not real. And so because you are not standing up right now because of your fear of man and because you're afraid of losing your platform, my friend, you're already going to lose it. Because I, I, am, I believe that every speech should be allowed simply because we cannot ban this, any kind of speech because when we start to ban speech, we begin to censor and therefore, we will never stop censoring things that we don't agree with. I may not agree with a Satanist having a Facebook profile and cursing and doing demonic blood sacrifice, but I am not going to say that they should be censored because I know in the same way I am too going to be censored for coming on the platform and speaking about Jesus, proclaiming the peace of God, releasing prophetic words, 
casting out demons and healing people through through the uh, internet. So we need to begin to pray that people wake up or we need to understand that we need to get off these platforms and begin to create free thinking platforms. They don't have to be Christian, but free thinking platforms where we are allowed to have free and open discussion. We are allowed to pray and believe the way that we want to believe. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's really, really good. And it looks like there's a trend right now where things are, you know, everything was online. And I've had conversations with pretty big name ministries just in the last two days. Uh, mothers and pop, mamas and papas, right? And um, I, I don't know, I don't think they're really getting it. And because the idea has always been like, we're on a, te- uh, we're on a technology wave that's moving, that's moving forward. Right. And so it was all about the internet and then it was, and then it was no longer about web browsers. It was about social media. Everything was about social media. But then more recently, it wasn't about social media. It's about apps. You have to have an app. So what's the next thing? So when you believe that, that this is the progression of technology, you're, you're, you know, the, the idea of going back doesn't make any sense. But that's what's actually happening right now because um, apps are regulated by these gatekeepers that, uh, such as Google Play and the Apple um, App Store. So you've got two gatekeepers that regulate every app on their platform. And so, uh, so that's where you saw that Apple has threatened Parler to kick them off their app platform and Google Play already did. Big tech's free speech crackdown. Amazon Web Services dropping Parler from its cloud services late last night following Google and Apple banning the app from their app stores. This coordinated move from big tech and social media could effectively take Parler offline permanently and run the company out of business. And then you see um, uh, yesterday Amazon kicked Parler off of their web hosting service, AWS. They kicked them off. What, is, what does that mean? It means that like social media is no longer a safe place for your content because you've got gatekeepers, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and apps are no longer safe. So for the, for the, for the, uh, for the older generation, for our parents' generation, the idea of going back to the web and going back to websites seems counterintuitive, but that's where you got gab.com. That's where you got minds.com. And for me, it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go to a website in order to engage. And the answer is yes. And so for a lot of that, that's going to seem counterintuitive for a lot of people that are, that are watching this. But you, but we need to be thinking, we're, guys. That's that's we're going back to the internet because who owns the internet? You know what else we're going back to? 
We're going back to real meetings. <laughs> meetings yes. like we've been we've been shouting from the top of our lungs for this entire last year that no church in America should close their doors because this is the next the next phase. The first phase was close the church doors, so now we can't meet. The second phase is now silence their voices so they cannot speak. And we've been yelling and saying, we're not shutting down the doors. The Bible says that we are not to forsake ourselves in this, uh, from assembling together. We're not going to do it. And now we know those that have not uh, bowed their knee and have not closed and kept pushing and kept pressing and kept going. And people know as well. And, and I was saying something to somebody today. I, I said, what are they going to do when their platform's gone from the Internet? And they, and they said, well, they'll just go back to, this person said to me, well, they would just go back to doing lo local meetings. And I said, I don't think that they will, because they were threatened that if they met, they would go to jail. I, 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 did, I did meetings in places where they weren't allowed to do meetings. And if you got caught, you were going to jail. I still did meetings, because I don't care, because I want to preach the gospel. And, and I'm not, we're not going to stop doing meetings. And if they take me off the internet, see you in wherever you see me, because I'm not going to stop preaching in person. I'm not going to stop taking this hand right here and laying it on the sick and casting out demons. And I'm not going to stop using this mouth to prophesy. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter if they put me in jail, because what I'm going to do in jail is like Silas and, 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 and Paul in the middle of the night, I'm going to start singing hymns and the whole place is going to begin to shake and we're going to have revival in, in the prison cell because I don't care anymore because this nation is a nation that is founded on God and we're not a part of a natural kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of heaven and we've been sent here as ambassadors of that kingdom to preach the gospel. And it doesn't matter if earthly governments don't like it, they can't stop it because we're not a part of what they want to do. They have to be a part of what we tell them to do. Prophets do not take orders from politicians. Politicians take orders from prophets. And that's the way it's going to be. And it ain't changing. And so uh, it is our job, it is our mission to walk into the places that are the darkest, uh, hopeless, um, most hopeless places and, and release hope in Jesus. And so anyways, that's, that's, that's the takeaway I had from, from this trip. And I uh, just encourage you, wherever you're at, wherever you're going, wherever you're around, be Jesus to the people that are looking right now because the world's looking, the world's searching, and their hearts are soft. The Bible talks about taking out the heart of stone and putting it in the heart of flesh. That is what's happening right now. And now the world's looking, where is that lighthouse that I can run to and find safety, security, peace, hope, uh, future. So uh, just be Jesus to the world around us. You and I have no reason to fear. Let's show them why they also have no reason to fear. As we begin to properly govern, rule, and reign according to scripture and according to the, the, um, the blueprint of heaven, everything else will fall into place. Um, I, I, you know, Mario Murillo made a comment. So listen, if even if it all goes south or whatever gets bad, you know, hey, you can either get bitty, bitter, excuse me, bitter, or you can get busy. Okay, so what do you want to do? You want to get bitter, or do you want to get busy? No, it's time to get busy. It's time to really, you know, uh, rise up, you know, stand up in Christ, stand up in your in your authority. Okay, and uh, 
don't despair, but begin to declare. Guys, we will see you in the next riot zone and we will bring the kingdom of God and we will, we will, <laughs> we will release the peace of God. And you know, like we've been talking about, everything that could have happened, the, the things that could have happened, the things that the enemy thought that he was gonna get away with, um, uh, I, I believe were thwarted. People are like, this is the worst thing ever, 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 ever. But I mean, we have no idea the, thing, the, the thousands of lives that could have been taken if the enemy would have had his way. Uh, because the number of people that were there in proportion to the, 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 the really the, 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 the infrastructure, the, the, to provide the safety that was needed just wasn't there. Anything could have happened and yet God really covered Washington, Washington DC that day. Well guys, thank you so much. This has been, uh, this has been great and pray that, uh, I'm praying that this um, uh, broadcast will be really helpful for people watch, watching and know that this isn't the end. This is only the beginning. God has big things in his, in his heart for our nation, for our generation. So let's keep going after it. Until next time, see you later everybody. <laughs>